The Unbiased Podcast is recorded live at the Ministry of Sound and powered by Copus. Hello, I'm Karen Barrett, CEO and founder of unbiased.co.uk, and this is the Unbiased Podcast, available to listen to completely free from wherever you find your great audio experiences. Unbiased.co.uk has a range of really useful calculator tools to help you plan your pension or mortgage. Head on now and try them out. I'm Karen Barrett, CEO and founder of unbiased.co.uk. And today on Your Money, Your Future, I'm joined by Money Hub CEO, Samantha Seaton. Sam, great to have you here. Fantastic to be here and, and to see you, even though it's not live live, we're nearly there, aren't we? <laughs> nearly there. We'll have to put something in the diary for soon. So maybe we could start with a quick background on Money Hub and where you are putting your effort these days and, and what the interesting and latest is from Money Hub. Well, Money Hub, as you know, Karen, is all about helping people. So Our mission and vision in life is about enhancing the financial wellness of people, their communities, and their businesses. And genuinely, our our money hub lot, we live and die by that because we'll never achieve it. I mean, as you know, you know, you can never get everyone into the fields of financial wellness and keep them there. But we believe we can help millions of people to do that. So Money Hub set out, it was a D2C to start with, with its original owner. And then the team, which is four of us, had the opportunity to do a management buyout of the business off Momentum, which we did in 2000. Well, it coincided with open banking going live. So February 2018, we got our authorization. And I thought then with the team, which was Dave, Dan and Warren, that the best way to help millions of people was probably actually to take what we had, which is the Money Hub platform, and license that to businesses who could use that with their customers to, to actually up the engagement, up the relationship with people's money. And so that's, that's, that's kind of what we did when we, took, when we started in 2018, which is probably a big shift from how people knew money had before that. Uh, and it's been incredibly exciting. Excellent. That sounds great. Maybe just for the listeners, could you explain what open banking is? Because I know it's been around a few years, but it's still quite new, isn't it? Well, I think it's because, you know, it's something that you don't kind of open your front door and go and think, I'm going to go and do open banking. It it doesn't work like that. And especially, you know, the other problem you've got with open banking, I think, is probably the name isn't great. I mean, who wants to open up their bank account? I mean, that's a little bit. You want to keep it secure, don't you? (laughs) Exactly. So I think, you know, even... Even perhaps the, uh, the marketeers that gave it such a lovely name probably didn't help its cause. But I think if we put all of that to one side, what mm-hmm. open banking really is all about is placing your money, your data, your transactions on your bank in the consumer's hand. So it's shifting the ownership of the transactions that you have with a bank, any bank, back to you rather than leaving them with the bank. That's fundamentally what the legislation is intending to do. I don't think many people quite realise it, appreciate it, but when you see it in action, I think that is when you really start to understand how it works. So the ability, for example, you know, to get a mortgage where you no longer have to rummage around and print off statements and you know, actually find them and download them or, or even, you know, screen print them, you know, being able to connect your accounts up to an authorised third party like a mortgage broker, for example, and actually enable them for the period of time 
that you need them to look at that data to enable them to give you the offers on the mortgages you need and then to be able to say, great, so I'm not sharing that data anymore. So this is control over your data. And, and the reason I say it's important is because, you know, I don't know if you, you heard recently where, you know, I think one of the people in one of the bank's mortgage teams was, was you know, at home and she ha- had a, a lounge room full of mortgage statements that she didn't know what to do with. Oh, we so all think, know that, don't we? Everyone yeah. has their own carrier bags and lever arch files. That's actually how we've grown up with finance and actually yeah. empowering the consumer to own their data for that to be live and truthful and up to date is a yeah. real good step forward. It is. It's incredible. So I think we and the, and the other thing is the irony is is it's more secure than than the way we you know in financial services we've been traditionally using financial data. So. So they're the two call-outs, I would say, is that, um, and then I don't think you will necessarily, potentially sometimes know you're using open banking, actually. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes with your bank or with your mortgage broker or, I, I don't know, some people are using Money Hub to recognise their rent so that they can actually get, you know, input to their credit score to potentially help them onto that property ladder. Well, rent recognition is using open banking to enable rent recognition to be done. So I think we're not quite, we don't always see the links between what we're doing as a consumer and open banking. But obviously, I think it's an incredible step forward for the consumer. Amazing. So thanks for clarifying that. It really brings home what's happening with open banking. So our focus today is a subject that's probably a number one concern for many of our listeners and certainly a key issue for people coming to unbiased.co.uk, and that's pensions. And women in particular are worried about a potential shortfall. What do you think about this? Why is this happening? And what do you think they should be doing to remedy it? Well, I think it is a massive issue, actually, because we are going to live longer than men in the main, and we're going to have a lot less money. That sounds like a terrible outcome, doesn't it, Karen? I mean, I'm not happy about that. So I think it is very important um, that women, first of all, I guess, start to take ownership for their own pension. One of the things that's perhaps happened in the past is we've all thought about our money as a family. And, and I think that works, you know, for a lot of people. But I think the word of caution I'd have is that, you know, you're not always with the same partner for your entire life. So I think if that's, if that's something that's more common and is going to stay common, which I, I think it, it is, yeah. I think the one thing I would say to every woman out, out there is just, just take control of your own pension. doesn't mean that actually with your partner when you retire that you might kind of club them all together and, you know, have a great outcome. But actually start with, you know, just genuinely thinking, you know, I, I'm going to live a long time. I, I need to make sure, you know, it's doing what it, what it can for me. And, and also the other thing I would say is, you know, when you go on, on maternity leave or any outages as well. Yeah, any gaps it, you might have. Any gaps you have. I, I think, you know, also think about could you possibly keep trickling some money, even if it is as a family, you know, it doesn't, you know, maybe you're not earning the income at that point, but is there any spare cash in the family to just trickle a little bit of money through that period? Because that's where I think we, we the gaps is what's catching us out in terms of our real, you know, discrimination. And that seems such a shaling, right? I love that. Great, great tip. Really great tip. And um, I've also seen, actually, you mentioned families where there's still that gender split in a family that the men, 
the man's pension will be fully funded and the woman almost is paying for her own maternity leave, never mind the pension payments during the maternity leave. And I think one thing I've been talking about on my podcast and elsewhere is as a woman, when someone says, I'll do this financial admin for you, it sounds like, oh, great, I haven't got to wrap my, you know, who wants to do that life admin on a, on a Saturday afternoon? But taking control and understanding what's happening gives you the power to be involved in those decisions. And that's really, really important. Yeah, and I think the work that we've been doing at Money Hub, where we actually interview a lot of people when they use the app via various clients, for example, is interesting that that's the main feedback we get from everyone, actually, which is they want better control of their money. And to your point, Karen, which I know is going to land incredibly well, because, you know, this is not, not something that you won't be incredibly supportive of, which is that if you can just get better clarity you know, visibility about your money, what it's doing, where it's going, how it's helping you, how it's not. And I would just call out that money is an enabler. I agree. None of us really, you know, want to be obsessed about money. I completely get that. But it is the enabler to live the life, you know, that we need. And so all I would call out is kind of love your money. Like, you know, genuinely, you know, know, it allows you to travel. It allows you to do the things you want to do. Yeah. So, you know, and and don't get me wrong, because of all the tech now, and, you know, that's why I'm such a fan of Money Hub, obviously, and I'm not unbiased. I am biased about Money Hub. But actually, you know, things like that are incredibly powerful now, taking some of the heavy lifting out of that admin. So I would encourage you, if it's something that that's the bit that's holding you back, then they do this because, you know, it'll tell you where your regular payments are. We had a very funny, you know, example of some of the lads that work for us are quite young. When the regular payments feature was switched on, they kind of just... They saw all the subscriptions, didn't well, they? Look, well, no, unfortunately for them, some of them, they, it was pizza. So they were like, well, is Domino's pizza really a regular payment? And then, so suddenly they were like, well, is that right? Has Money Hub got it right? I'm sure and then, it was course, right. And then we were like, well... Yes, of course. If, if you're spending so much on Domino's, it's definitely a regular payment, right? Yeah. But it really threw them because I think yeah. they thought regular payments would be my, you know, my, my bills or my, yeah. you know. Your council tax. Exactly. is what they're expecting. Yeah. Suddenly, top of the list was Domino's. Wow, that's so eye-opening, isn't it, in terms of the data making you understand what's happening so you can make the right decisions with it. Um, you're involved in the steering group for the pensions dashboard. What's happening with that? Is that soon to be released? Is it happening? Well, so it's definitely happening, which is great news because, you know, over over my dead body, is there going to be another 20 billion of lost pensions? I mean, how wow. dreadful is that? So that's people's money. I mean, it's just, you know. They worked hard and saved yes. for that. So, so that is unacceptable behavior, isn't it, on, on, on the financial services sector. So, yeah. So one of the reasons I wanted to be on the Stuco was to represent the consumer and also as the fintech, you know, kind of explaining yeah. that actually we can do more faster, if, you know, if we, if we, if we want to. Now, the big, the big change is that obviously in the middle of 23, so in the middle of next year, the first wave of companies will have to, by law, provide pensions for people. They'll have to find them for you. And I think, in a way, that's quite neat. It means you can put yeah. your hand up and say, I'm Sam Seaton, you know, where are my pensions? And actually, the obligation is on the providers to go away and actually come back and say, well, we found these pensions for you, you know, and then obviously they do the confirming and the matching. Yeah. And then obviously after that, you know, then you can move on and think, well, I didn't know. I had prior to the average, by the time you're 35 now, you'll have five pensions. Yeah, and it's just going to get worse, isn't it? As people yeah. move around, this is the way yeah. that you work these days. Yeah, so so really important to have that. I think it's you know if you're going to be because I don't know if you know, but you're, you know obviously when you work, 
you know, you are obliged by law, the employer and yourself to contribute to your pension. So yeah. we're going to do that. The onus is on financial services to provide a service whereby you can keep track of them, right? Yeah. And yeah. the brilliant thing is, is you're going to be able to share that data with advisors and with fintech startups and things that are authorized to handle that data. But again, that's going to be able to give you, once again, take that admin out of the hassle and also, it's going to, you know, talk about the mortgage broking world. Yeah. You know, but you think about pensions and investments, that data is going to flow straight through to the advisor to enable them to help you. So we're both CEOs of companies with tech at their heart. And actually, you've spoken a lot already about how tech is going to help people. What more can people do to harness tech to have a better understanding of their finances? So what should people be engaging with now to get that data that you're talking about? Well, I, I just recommend to everyone that they download, you know, a money management app because yeah. it, it, a lot of us, I don't know about you, but I was an egg card customer back, you know, 2004 or five or whenever it was. And I loved it. And then it disappeared. And actually that type of facility is back and it's back, you know, with great, great intelligence yeah. that it couldn't have had back then. So all I would say is that with the law on your side and with the tech moving at such a fast rate, I would say to leverage tech and don't just rely on your banking apps because my experience has been that the fintech startups are ahead of the banks. You know, they're taking, you know, what the banks do to another level. And that doesn't yeah, surprise point. me, Cara, because, you know, they're, they're focused and they're uninhibited about what they can do because they've got a mission and they're allowed to achieve that. So, of course, you know, by all means, download Money Hub, if, you know, if you want to just try out A, open banking, open finance, and actually see how effortless, I guess, loving your money can be. Yeah. But, um, but yeah. you know, we're not the only one out there. So I, I, I would no. encourage you to try it. So when people download Money Hub, is it right they get a full picture of their finances? If they connect up, you know, their savings, their investment, their pension, they then get that one picture of where they are financially. Is that correct? That's right. So I've got 12 accounts connected to Money Hub and, you know, I don't log into all my different bank accounts now and I don't log into my ISIS. Yeah, I, I mean, that's a good point. I don't think I'd know how many I have, but you're able uh, to name the number. Yeah, so I've got, well, I've got my ISIS, I've got my, I've got three pensions, I've got my, I've got a lot of bank accounts because obviously in the business I mean, we need to keep track of what's going on in the banking yeah. world. I have a few bank accounts, <laughs> as you can imagine. And then I have actually, my mortgage is a commercial mortgage and I can't connect that, but you can connect it manually and it's quite clever at tracking mm-hmm. it. So although yeah. I know the interest rate I pay, so I've been able to set it up manually because yeah. actually you'll laugh at this, but every time I went in, you know, it told me, you know, my assets and my liabilities and uh, in, in summary. And of course, because I hadn't connected the mortgage because I couldn't automatically do it, I kept deducting in my head the mortgage because it was overstating my wealth, which is lovely, but not true. And yeah. then it, it bugged me so much in the end, I had to go put it in manually. So I, I didn't have to keep mentally doing that, which I thought, to get me to that, <laughs> to get me to do that, I thought, God, that's amazing! Like, you know, that that kind of, you wow. know, it's like that drip technique. Technique. It's like, anyway. So all I would say is, you know, you can put your cars in, yeah. you car loans in, all all of it. Wow, everything. And so what about trust? Because I know I'm biased. People come to us because they feel under that sort of umbrella of unbiased that we check that people are regulated and they're in a safe environment because they've heard about scams. And, you know, you talk about the pension money. You don't want to click on a link on Google and think you're talking to someone you're not, etc. So trust is very big for us at Unbiased. How would you say Money Hub is working to build consumer trust? And do people worry about connecting all their data from different sources? Is that something they worry about? No, definitely. So people do worry about it. And, you know, and, you know, I can completely get it. Right. But I guess the irony wasn't lost on me when I had a conversation with a Fenner CEO of another business that um, I know well. And he said to me, he said, oh, Sam, he said, I, I'm not, I can't use Money Hub and connect up all my accounts because 
that would be one app with everything connected in one place. And that's got to be dangerous, he said to me. And I, and I laughed and I said to him, I said, well, maybe. I, I said, but have you got all of those apps on your phone already? You know, do you have all your banking apps? Your, oh, yes. He said, I've got them all on my phone already. And I said, well, just so you know, if it was me. I would obviously have the money hub app on my phone with everything in it connected. And I wouldn't have the actual apps because the actual apps are where people can go and get the money from. You know, if I go into my Hargreaves Lansdowne app, I can trade. I can move yeah. money from one account. You can't do that in Money Hub. Money Hub is a view of all your finances. And although you can move money as in make payments from card accounts and sweeping to save, you can't get any money out of your savings or pensions in a Money yeah. Hub app. So yeah. I said to him, I think you've got this the wrong way around. I think you need to remove all those apps where you can access everything and have a field day and actually just have the Money Hub app where you can see everything, you know it's there, and maybe have a safer way of doing that. So if you're really worried about these things, you have to, I think, think about what you're doing as a, as a human being. And actually, quite often, our, our security concerns are flawed. You know, they're the wrong way around. And so therefore, I would just say, you know, I think if you've got all, all of your apps on your phone, you know, and you're able to trade in them, I think you've already stepped into the... Yeah, yeah you're there. Yeah, exactly. And, and do you know what? I would also call out that actually that is where the money and the fraud is happening. So the money and the fraud is happening through phishing emails, through getting you to actually pay people yourself, you know, which everyone's very cross about when they do. But unfortunately, that's the weakness, mm. not actually behind the scenes with all the tech, actually. I see that you're winning awards left, right and centre these days. And you're a fantastic ambassador in the industry for not just fintech, but also for women. And I saw that you made the standout 45 in Innovate Finance, I think it was last week. I know you're also very keen to ensure that women have a place in business. Can you talk more about why that's of interest and what you do to support that topic? Yeah, so I think, you know, growing up in, you know, financial services is a fairly male-dominated industry. But more than that, I obviously studied computer science. So when I hit uni, I was three of 120 wow. you know, people. So three girls in a, in, a, in, a, in a year of 120. And only 60 graduated, actually, from my class. But, and, and, the, and your listeners will be pleased to hear that all three women made Yay, it. Yay, excellent. So, yeah, so it was very interesting. But, but I guess what's been surprising for me is, you know, I learned at university in a very male-dominated you know, um, sector, and then I joined a male-dominated sector, and and actually for a number of years, just I, did, I don't I don't think I thought about it. I, honestly, I didn't see it. And I don't know if that's because I'm a woman in that world, and you just get on. I have no idea, but I couldn't really see it. And then it was only when I got to about forty, and a lot of my, you know, friends in the industry yeah. started to disappear, and they didn't come back, and they didn't come back because. They'd taken, you know, they had children yeah. and then they'd taken a, a little bit of maternity. And then when they came back, they came back, they kind of, I don't know. A different level, yeah. yeah, with a different and, focus. And do you know what? It really upset me because it just felt that these are, an, these are amazing people. Intelligent, yeah, ambitious. And they've got so much. And then what, for, for this tiny outage, you know, that they've had, you know, it's tiny. Yes. They're paying way too high a price, in my opinion. Yeah. So I felt, so suddenly I got a bit animated about this and then obviously it grew. And now, you know, I realise that actually the imbalance is quite significant. Mm-hmm. I mean, the fact that I have been paid less my entire life because I'm a woman, it's bonkers, right? Bonkers. Yeah. Yeah. But that is a fact. I mean, the data tells us that that has happened. So these things, they've got to change. And I know I can't change them overnight. And I know that these things take time, but I think if I do my bit, 
while I'm in the industry and while I can. And, you know, advocate, I'm a massive advocate of flexible working because I think it means that pe- women particularly, but I'd like to also see men embrace yeah. it. But, you know, more can be done around the family and children while you're working to, to mix the two up. I mean, they don't, you know, they can cohabit quite easily. I mean, as you know. Yeah. So my, my mission is twofold. One, to introduce more flexibility, you know, genuinely to enable, you know, w- women not to pay a high price for having children. And then I guess my third one is really around the data. I don't want the biases built into the data. I feel very strongly that I've got to do my bit in terms of as the data develops, which we would all rely on more and more for decision-making and, you know, because yeah. tech and maths go hand in hand and they're very good. But I don't want that bias to creep in, which I think it could if we're not careful. Amazing views. Thank you very much for that. So in conclusion, every week, I love to give our listeners three key things that they can do right now, this minute, to start taking control of their money. Have you got some tips for our listeners, Sam? Well, I would say start early. I mean, the minute you can, and and you know, there's never too little. I mean, a pound, it doesn't, mm-hmm. it honestly doesn't matter. Start as soon as you can, because I think there is all those stats out there that you can go and Google that says, actually, if your parents started saving something like a pound a week for you when you were born, I think by the time you're 30, you're done. You've, you've got enough savings to retire on and, and you know, live a, a very, very comfortable life. So yeah. with that in mind, I would say start early. I, I go back to something I mentioned before, but can, can we just, can we love our money? I mean, so to the point where we want to look after it. You know, if you love something, you want to look after it, don't you? And, and so yeah. therefore... That I hopefully will will motivate people to to actually take a bit more control of their money. Well, I think think those two points together mean that once you have something, you start being interested and want to take care of it, don't you? So they're both sort of ways to get to the same point. If you have some and you're trying to invest and save and make those decisions, you just become really engaged with it and make better decisions and save more and do better things for your finances. And and then it doesn't have to be, you know, the other thing I'd say is, you know, with the tech that you've got around you now, it doesn't have to be that onerous. So if you've been putting it off, this type of thoughts, because you think, oh, yeah, I don't want to spend my Sunday afternoon with spreadsheets, uh, I think those days are gone. I think you'll be pleasantly surprised at how, e- how much easier it is to nub your money. Yeah, do it. you can do it via your phone, okay? We're all sitting on our phone in downtime on the train or waiting yeah. for something. Download the money management app, as you said, and start looking at what the data is telling you and make some decisions from that. That's simple enough, right? Yeah, definitely. Excellent. Well, thank you very much, Sam. Thank you for your time today. It's been a great conversation with lots of practical advice that people can action right now. For our listeners, thank you for listening to the Unbiased podcast. You'll find links to the tools and the Money Hub site and all the sites we've mentioned today down below. Please subscribe to our show, give us a five-star review and tell the people you care about to have a listen. It's your money, your future. Thank you, Sam. Thanks, Karen. Making high-quality podcasts like this takes a lot of work. That's a fact. But not when you hire Copus. With our white glove experience, we handle everything for you, from guest outreach all the way through publishing and promotion. We handle it all. You show up to hold great interviews like these and build relationships with your guests. We take care of everything else. Podcasting is not just about the audience. Every podcast interview is the start of a brand new relationship. 
With a weekly podcast, you would build relationships with 52 ideal partners or prospects through podcast interviews over the next 12 months. Do you believe 52 new relationships could grow your business? We do. Why not contact me today, jason at copus.com, J-A-S-O-N at K-O-P-U-S dot com. And let's talk.